This is part two, chapter one of A Double Barrel Detective Story. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Double Barrel Detective Story by Mark Twain, part two, chapter one. The next afternoon the village was electrified with an immense sensation. A grave and dignified foreigner of distinguished bearing and appearance had arrived at the tavern and entered this formidable name upon the register Sherlock Holmes. The news buzzed from cabin to cabin, from claim to claim. Tools were dropped, and the town swarmed toward the center of interest. A man passing out at the northern end of the village shouted it to Pat Riley, whose claim was the next one to Flint Buckner's. At that time Fetlock Jones seemed to turn sick. He muttered to himself, "'Uncle Sherlock! The mean luck of it! That he should come just when—' He dropped into a reverie, and— presently said to himself, "'But what's the use of being afraid of him? Anybody that knows him the way I do knows he can't detect a crime except where he plans it all out beforehand, and arranges the clues and hires some fellow to commit it according to instructions. Now there ain't going to be any clues this time. So what show has he got? None at all. No, sir. Everything's ready.' If I was to risk putting it off—no, I won't run any risk like that. Flint Buckner goes out of this world to-night for sure." Then another trouble presented itself. "'Uncle Sherlock'll be wanting to talk home matters with me this evening, and how am I going to get rid of him? For I've got to be at my cabin a minute or two about eight o'clock." This was an awkward matter, and cost him much thought. But he found a way to beat the difficulty. We'll go for a walk, and I'll leave him in the road a minute, so that he won't see what it is I do. The best way to throw a detective off the track, anyway, is to have him along when you are preparing the thing. Yes, that's the safest. I'll take him with me." Meantime the road in front of the tavern was blocked with villagers, waiting and hoping for a glimpse of the great man. But he kept his room, and did not appear. None but Ferguson, Jake Parker, the blacksmith, and Ham Sandwich had any luck. These enthusiastic admirers of the great scientific detective hired the tavern's detained baggage lock-up, which looked into the detective's room across a little alleyway ten or twelve feet wide, ambushed themselves in it, and cut some peepholes in the window-blind. Mr. Holmes' blinds were down, but by and by he raised them. It gave the spies a hair-lifting but pleasurable thrill to find themselves face to face with the extraordinary man who had filled the world with the fame of his more than human ingenuities. There he sat, not a myth, not a shadow, but real, alive, compact of substance, and almost within touching distance with the hand. "'Look at that head,' said Ferguson, in an awed voice. "'By gracious, that's a head!' "'You bet,' said the blacksmith, with deep reverence. "'Look at his nose! Look at his eyes! Intellect! Just a battery of it!' "'And that paleness,' said Ham Sandwich, "'comes from thought, that's what it comes from. Hail! Duffers like us don't know what real thought is!' "'No more we don't,' said Ferguson. "'What we take for thinking is just blubber and slush.' "'Right you are, Wells Fargo!' and look at that frown that's deep thinking away down down forty fathom into the bowels of things he's on the track of something well he is and don't you forget it say look at that awful gravity look at that pallid solemnness there ain't any corpse can lay over it no sir not for dollars 
and it's his'n by hereditary rights too he's been dead four times already and there's history for it three times natural once by accident i've heard say he smells damp and cold like a grave and he shh watch him there he's got his thumb on the bump on the near corner of his forehead and his forefinger on the off one his thinkworks is just a grinding now you bet your other shirt that's so and now he's gazing up toward heaven and stroking his mustache slow and now he has rose up standing and is putting his clues together on his left fingers with his right finger see he touches the forefinger now middle finger now ring finger stuck look at him scowl he can't seem to make out that clue so he see him smile like a tiger and tally off the other fingers like nothing he's got it boys he's got it sure well i should say i'd hate to be in that man's place that he's after mr holmes drew a table to the window sat down with his back to the spies and proceeded to write the spies withdrew their eyes from the peepholes lit their pipes and settled themselves for a comfortable smoke and talk ferguson said with conviction boys it's no use talking he's a wonder he's got the signs of it all over him you ain't never said a truer word than that wells fargo said jake parker say wouldn't it have been nuts if he'd have been here last night oh by george but wouldn't it said ferguson then we'd have seen the scientific work intellect just pure intellect away up on the upper levels don't you know archie is all right and it don't become anybody to belittle him i can tell you but his gift is only just eyesight sharp as an owl's as near as i can make it out just a grand natural animal talent no more no less and prime as far as it goes but no intellect in it and for awfulness and marvelousness no more to be compared to what this man does than than why uh, let me tell you what he'd have done he'd have stepped over to hogan's and glanced just glanced that's all at the premises and that's enough see everything yes sir to the last little detail and he'd know more about that place than the hogan's would know in seven years next he would sit down on the bunk just as calm and say to mrs hogan say ham consider that you are mrs hogan i'll ask the questions you answer them all right go on madam if you please attention do not let your mind wander now then sex of the child female your honor um female very good very good age turned six your honor hmm young weak two miles weariness will overtake it then it will sink down and sleep we shall find it two miles away or less teeth five your honor and one a-comin very good very good very good indeed you see boys he knows a clue when he sees it when it wouldn't mean a dern thing to anybody else stockings madam shoes yes your honor both yarn perhaps morocco yarn your honor and kip hm kip this complicates the matter however let it go we shall manage religion catholic your honor very good snip me a bit from the bed-blanket please ah thanks part wool foreign make very well a snip from some garment of the child's please thanks cotton shows where an excellent clue excellent 
pass me a pellet of the floor dirt if you'll be so kind thanks many thanks ah admirable admirable now we know where we are i think you see boys he's got all the clues he wants now he don't need anything more now then what does this extraordinary man do he lays those snips and that dirt out on the table and leans over them on his elbows and puts them together side by side and studies them mumbles to himself female changes them around mumbles six years old changes them this way and that again mumbles five teeth one a-coming catholic yarn cotton kip damn that kip then he straightens up and gazes toward heaven and plows his hands through his hair plows and plows muttering damn that kip then he stands up and frowns and begins to tally off his clues on his fingers and gets stuck at the ring finger but only just a minute then his face glares all up in a smile like a house afire and he straightens up stately and majestic and says to the crowd take a lantern a couple of you and go down to injun billy's and fetch the child the rest of you go along home to bed good night madam good night gents and he bows like the matterhorn and pulls out for the tavern that's his style and the only scientific intellectual all over in fifteen minutes no poking around all over the sagebrush range an hour and a half in a mass meeting crowd for him boys you hear me by jackson it's grand said ham sandwich wells fargo you've got him down to a dot he ain't painted up any exactor to the life in the books by george i can just see him can't you boys you bet you it's just a photograph that's what it is ferguson was profoundly pleased with his success and grateful he sat silently enjoying his happiness a little while then he murmured with a deep awe in his voice i wonder if god made him there was no response for a moment then ham sandwich said reverently not all at one time i reckon end of part two chapter one